If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, folks, well, you are listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. Yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Questions, thoughts, opinions. Yes, I will even accept your adoration and praise here at the Todd Huff Show. It's good to be here. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Here we are, week of Christmas. Great, uh, great time of year, and as usual, lots to to talk about. On Friday, for those of you that listen to this program, which you're well advised to do that, by the way, if you didn't catch the program, you can always catch archives of the program, ToddHuffShow.com slash listen. Very good idea to do that as well. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast, which is free. I mean, and, and catch whatever you would have would have missed. But we on Friday, I spent a, uh, some time sharing with you, and I want to thank you for those of you uh, who took the time to help uh, provide Christmas for those at Shepherd Community Center. I heard, uh, I got word back. Some of you specifically mentioned the uh, the program whenever you send in your gifts and so forth. I just want to say thank you. Shepherd does a tremendous job. And I uh, truly appreciate uh, you supporting Caring at Christmas on Shepherd or at Shepherd Community Center. So thank you so much for doing that. But having done that on Friday, there's a couple things that we did not get to on Friday because we spoke with Jay, the CEO or the executive director at Shepherd Community Center. So we were not able to get to some of the issues in the news. And I want to talk today about some of the things that were on my radar Friday, but just given the format of the program, and again, our focus on talking about Shepherd during this Christmas season and how they're serving their community there, serving our community here in central Indiana. Um, there's a couple of things I want to get to, and yes, I know about the the stimulus, which appears to be headed uh, towards a passage agreement here between both chambers of, of Congress, uh, which will involve uh, reportedly $600 direct payment, uh, some small business help, some, it's been what, $900 billion package here, stimulus package, COVID relief related and so forth. But I want to, so I don't want to talk about that specifically. I want to talk about COVID itself. Um, And I want to start here. I want to start here. Many of you may have, have thought may have thought that, hey, once we get the vaccine, um, we're going to be able to 
you know, get past this uh, issue with, with COVID, right? We're going to be able to move on to something, uh, well, I guess back to some degree, some degree of normal. Um, but that's, that's not necessarily where we are, where we are headed here. Tom Elliott, someone that uh, tweets a lot of, I guess, things like this out over Twitter, so long as he is allowed to do that. Uh, he has this soundbite, Chuck Todd interviewing um, Vin Gupta. He's a medical doctor, MSNBC. So here we go, venturing into the world of lunacy here. But I want you to listen to this. If you've not heard this already, some of you probably have. Some of you may not have heard this yet. But I want you to hear uh, the vaccine is not making this go away. Not until every single human being has gotten both do- both doses of of the vaccine. So I want you to listen to this. Chuck Todd interviewing um, on MSNBC, Dr. Vin Gupta. And here is how... Hold on a second here. Here's how that conversation went down. I just wanted to say, are you getting your uh, vaccination this week? Uh, Tomorrow morning, and I'm I'm grateful for it. Um, Chuck, I just wanted to say, uh, just a follow up on what Yasmin mentioned. Uh, Just for your viewers out there, um, I I know one of uh, the the individuals who we just saw getting vaccinated is planning on traveling after the second dose. This is a source of confusion. But no, uh, this is one of the misperceptions here. Just because you get vaccinated with that second dose does not mean you should be participating in things like traveling in the middle of an out-of-control pandemic or that you're liberated from masks. Mm-hmm. Everything still applies until all of us get the two-dose regimen. And we don't think that's going to happen until June, July. But And again, this goes back to what we just talked about, Chuck. We don't know if just getting the vaccination prevents serious illness, or does it also prevent you from getting infection um, entirely, meaning you can still get infected with the virus potentially and pass it on to others. So really, really critical. Don't let your guard down just because you got vaccinated. You still might be able to get infected with the virus and pass on others. So please keep that in mind. Right. Right, says Chuck Todd. Yeah, get the vaccine, get two doses or two, both uh, the, the initial shot and the booster shot. You go out there, you think that you're good to go because you've you've been vaccinated against this virus. No, no, no. You're not don't start traveling. Don't start thinking that it's back to normal. Don't think that you can have more than ten people in your house in places like Tennessee. Yes, that was initiated by a Republican governor I saw, I think over the weekend. Masks are to be worn indefinitely, apparently. It doesn't matter what masks show. It doesn't matter that you would have seen potentially data uh, that was released. I think, well, I saw someone tweeting this over the weekend showing that North and South Dakota, two states that uh, one state capitulated and had a mask mandate, I think November 13th. And it showed that around that time, the number of cases in that was in North Dakota, I believe, they started a trend downward, and someone says, well, here you go. This shows that masks work. Well, not so fast because at the same time, a state that did not mandate masks, state of South Dakota, uh, trended downward as well. This, this idea – and look, I'm not – this isn't – please don't misunderstand. I'm not telling you not to wear or to wear. I'll leave the uh, – I'll, I'll leave the, the, the 
telling you how to live your lives up to those who think that they've got answers for every problem in your in your existence. Those who are the radical left, that's what they do. They want to tell you how to what to drive, what to eat, what to think, whether or not you can see your family at Christmas, all this kind of stuff. I'm not going to do that. If you want to wear a mask, I think wear a mask. If you if you're around people that may be susceptible, I, I personally, I know this may be rub some of you the wrong way, but I personally, um, to me, I, I can I can wear a mask and, and think, okay, fine, it's it's you know when I need to do that, and I'll wear it, and I don't think that uh, I, I think that that people are certainly acting outside the realm of their constitutional authorities on this stuff but um it's not to me a major infringement upon um how i live my life i'll i'll say i'll do this and and make other people feel more comfortable or whatever but it, but it's it's to me a little bit um it's you talk about the science i just i just don't i don't follow the logic on some of this stuff um but nonetheless, this is what we've. This is what we're doing. This is how governors are reacting. This is how uh, states are are moving. Cities are moving towards complete. I mean, we're, we're reporting on our neighbors in some places. How many? How many of the people they have over there on Thanksgiving, Bev? How many? We got. We had to call into the secretary of state or the uh, the governor's office here. Tell Newsom how many people are at the neighbor's house, so that when he's going out and having his lavish dinner parties, indoor dining. He can do that without any sort of um, – well, he, he can do his thing and not worry about other people being out there because they're all locked down. They can't even see their own families. I've seen people – I saw a video clip of a military veteran addressing a, a northern California – I don't know if it was a town council, but some local government telling him, hey, we're this is – we're done with this. People are – I mean he was – he was saying that this is, uh, you know, we, we're not allowed to live our lives anymore, provide for our families, our livelihoods being destroyed. We're not going to sit down on our backsides and let this happen. This is not ending. This is not going to just, we're not just going to sit by, you know, patiently watching this, watching this happen. So we got the mask after the vaccine, but that's or up until everyone gets the vaccine. And that's. When everyone gets two doses, the initial shot and the booster shot, which raises the question to me, do you plan on getting this? You see Andrew Yang out there saying that there needs to be a barcode, some sort of a barcode issued that can be given to people, given to them if they can, I guess, show it on their smartphones when they're traveling or whatever else, barcode that basically tells whomever we are encountering at, I guess, an airport I guess a you know NFL football game for those of you that still pay attention to that. Um, any other large gathering, maybe to go into the grocery store. Who knows what these radical lovers of big government will be in favor of? But have a have a you a, a barcode, maybe a uh, a QR code that you can show someone and they can scan it and they can say, "Hey, this guy here, he's good, he's safe, he's got the vaccine." But from what this doctor just told us a minute ago, you still got to wear your mask. You still got to socially distant. You still can't see, apparently, your family. You can only see people in your own household. By the way, speaking of that, did you see Dr. Burks? This is the kind of stuff, if you want to know the most infuriating thing to me about this entire COVID debacle we're dealing with here, 
as far as just the the misinformation, the, the double standards, and all this. It's how these these folks that are in positions of power and authority, the people that wag their finger at you, if you go out and don't follow some specific set of rules that they've laid out for you, is when they go out and break them themselves. Headline here at Fox News, Burks, Dr. Burks, traveled to Delaware vacation property with family after warning of holiday, uh, holiday gatherings. Three generations of her family from two households were present. Dr. Deborah Burks, the coordinator of the White House coronavirus response, has become the latest health official to be accused of flouting their own guidelines amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Burks joined other experts prior to the Thanksgiving holiday to warn Americans to limit their gatherings to their, quote, immediate households due to the troubling spike in cases. The holiday was seen as a serious risk for infection due to so many relatives potentially gathering around the table. But the Associated Press reported that the day after Thanksgiving, Burks traveled to a vacation property off Delaware with three generations of her family uh, in her family from two households. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read this. The point is, the point is, they have rules for thee, but not for me. That's what rules are for. This is how, by the way, if you are familiar with the history of you know, communist or socialistic countries, this is exactly how it works. You've got the masses that are controlled by the government, and then you've got the elite, that they don't have the same set of rules. They don't have the same set of consequences or you know uh, troubles, just like the global warming crowd. They can tell you not to drive your SUV, but they'll jump on their private jet and fly all over the world, uh, except for Greta. Greta will take a, a raft across the Atlantic Ocean to, to get to wherever she's going, only to get there to realize that the event's been canceled or rescheduled or what have you. She's – well, I don't want to say she's not a hypocrite because in many ways – She's shown that she's a hypocrite. I'm just saying that in that particular instance, she's uh, she's dedicated to at least the PR stunt. So this is this is not this is not what it means to be free. This is not what it means to be American when the leaders have one set of rules. Those who are in positions of authority and power, they have one set of rules, and the rest of us must comply uh, in, in ways that are overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly. Uh, well, I mean, dictatorial. They're, they're overwhelmingly violating your privacy, your right to, to live freely within your own home. And this has all happened so quickly, and this is what's troubling to me. Again, I think you can say these things while still saying COVID is something that is um, that is a real disease. It is being used absolutely for political purposes. It is being used to control people. It is being used to scare people out of their minds it is absolutely killing people but not everyone that dies of a covid if it says covid on the death certificate absolutely not all those folks really died of covid there's a difference between dying from covid versus dying while you have covid there's a whole myriad of problems and and questions here but one of these points and one of these important important components of this whole discussion is, is what is the role of government? What are we going to allow them to do? And this is setting the expectation. This is what I want to get into next segment. This is setting the, ne- the expectation for what happens the next time there's even the potential of, of something like this. 
Oh, you remember COVID? We better lock everything down in, in advance. We better shut your business down now. And this is, you have a whole, you know, chorus of people singing this tune. Incidentally, these are folks that usually get a paycheck no matter if they go to work or not. These are people that are employed by, say, the government. Oftentimes I see this coming from teachers. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that all of these folks fall into that category. I'm just saying it's folks that are going to be getting a paycheck whether or not, whether or not they show up for work or not. Shut down for any length of time is fine for them because their paychecks are not affected. I want to see these governors. If I tell you what, a non-hypocritical governor, if he shuts down anything, if she shuts down anything, would say, I'm going to not take payment. I'm going to suspend my, uh, my, my salary during this time. If I'm going to ask your business to shut down, then I should ask mine to shut down. Right? I'll donate it to some sort of a fund to help businesses that are struggling. It's not much in, in many cases, but it would be a start, at least a step in the right direction. Or they could look at you know, laying off government workers, which is terrible to lay off people. But folks, if they don't feel the consequence of this, why should it all be passed on to the private sector? Anyway, this, is, this to me long-term sets a lot of precedent for how this is, uh, you know, any sort of concerns are going to be handled. And we have a, a group of people now, folks, that are ready and willing to accept anything their governor says. We need to shut down this segment of the economy for this reason. Okay, no problem. We need to ask people to stay in their homes for weeks on end. Okay, because it's something that might happen, something that we have not the slightest idea about. Again, we're dealing with a microscopic virus. I mean, anyway, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about kind of the stage being set here as we move forward in the role of government. This is There's some bad precedent that's been set here. No matter what you think about covid and the government's response and all that there's been some bad bad precedent and i'm going to talk about that on the flip side of this commercial break sit tight back here in in just a minute So before the break, we were talking about COVID. We were talking about the hypocrites, which now, according to Fox News, includes Dr. Deborah Burks. I actually liked Dr. Deborah Burks. I just look this this sort of thing has to stop. This sort of thing has to stop. They are telling you such personal how how to live within the walls of your own house, and they themselves will not comply with this. I'm not even saying she should. I'm simply saying, how can you get away? To me, it's the, the issue of hypocrisy. And I got to tell you, there's, there's some things when I think about COVID that trouble me. Uh, yes, the, the, the disease itself, of course, but there's a lot of other ramifications of this that concern me as well. Let me, let me share one with you. I, I think that we have, first of all, to see the radical transformation, how quickly people are willing to put 100% of their faith into a group of people that I mean this, know next to nothing about how to stop this, the, the transmission of this. And I'm not even saying that they, that they should. I mean, we're dealing with a microscopic virus. We have to understand that maybe, just maybe, 
Um, this thing is beyond our ability to completely control. Though, Although we have governors and other folks who act as though every decision we make um, can, can stop this, almost to the point that if someone's infected, they want to say, who's the person responsible for this? That's how they, they've almost set the table for that. And I, I think it's also set this almost expectation or belief. You know, pe- people, people now believe that, hey, if I wear my mask, it's not even for me. It's for someone else. It's showing other people that I care about them. You know, it, it's showing it's, – it's a sign to the world how much I care about them. Or maybe, maybe folks who think, hey, this is legitimately – I'm keeping other people from getting infected. Do you see the CEO of Waffle House? They have 21 stores. 21 restaurants they said he he said not a single case of covid has been traced to their stores 2100 waffle house restaurants not a single covid case has been traced there even the new york city's own data shows what was a 1.4 percent or some such number 1.4 percent of transmitted cases that they've gone through and contact traced back to wherever they believe these things uh, were, were actually transmitted to some other people, 1.3 or 1.4% come from restaurants. But yet we have people in states like California shutting it down, unless, of course, you're the governor. Then you can eat whenever you, wherever you want, whenever you want, probably on the taxpayer expense if it's some official state business. This is the sort of nonsense uh, that we have to contend with but you know i want to question people some people are you know think that the mask is is showing how much i respect other life and i can understand that but let me let me paint another picture i think that our overreaction in many instances to this have caused us to be completely inhumane and one of the things that bothers me to no end i think it's arguably the worst one of the worst consequences of our response to COVID, and that is that is that we're letting people die by themselves. I think this is beyond uh, – th- this is unconscionable what we've, what we've allowed to happen here. People, um, they're not allowed to have visitors in many cases, um, even if the other person – who knows? Is already infected with with COVID. We don't want to spread it. I get all that, but I also get that that is completely inhumane to let someone. Surely, if if a nurse or doctor can be in that room, then surely there's something we can do to let a family member be in that room as well. I know there's different, I don't know, different rules for different places, but that's that does happen. That has happened. People. FaceTiming one another up to the moment of, of death and this sort of thing. I just, I, to me, this is unconscionable. And so at the same time, we think, well, by wearing a mask, you know, I'm showing how much I love other people. Meanwhile, we're, we seem to be totally fine with this particular aspect of, of COVID, uh, coronavirus, and just the, you know, we're, we're willing to ignore this as people die completely isolated. I just, I can't even fathom this is a terrible atrocious thing that's been happening and i'll tell you something else that that concerns me a little bit this i don't i would say more than a little bit what does this teach kids young people even even adults in some instances 
we, we, we almost now are taught to view people not as individual human beings created in the image of God. Instead, we view people as contaminated objects, potential contaminated objects, people that, you know, I, I, I think about, you know, how Jesus interacted with people in need. I think about the crowds and I look, I'm not, I'm not saying there's not things to consider here. I'm simply pointing out that when there's so much emphasis placed on, you know, keeping distant, wearing a mask, standing in a circle, sitting on a carpet square at school or whatever the case may be, don't touch Bobby or Jimmy or whatever. At some point, we it's almost like we dehumanize. I wonder what this the long-term effects of this are going to be. And again, I also ask the question, what are the effects of the next time something might happen? Not even with COVID. Let's say we get through COVID in a couple of years and they say, hey, there's a new strand of flu we got to be careful of. It's, you know, it's coming out of China now. We better shut down air travel. We better shut down businesses. You know that this is going to be used at some point. And there's a whole group of people that are already on board with, yeah, seems reasonable to me. I get a paycheck. I get a paycheck whether or not my business, you know, my business can't shut down. Maybe it's a government office. If it does, we still get paid. Who cares about the small business owner? Who cares about the restaurant owner who's trying to make ends meet? Right? This is the mindset. And the starting point is already that people are going to – people are, have accepted – way too many per, uh, percentage of people have accepted what they have told us about things that they know next to nothing about. In fact, I go back to the mask situation. Do you re- remember – I remember this because – Pedals put together a graphic for us, social media graphic. It's still probably out there somewhere. The evolution of the mask has a little bitty cartoon guy. I love the cartoon guy on the graphic. And it shows him wearing the mask. And it shows the evolution of the mask. It shows, you know, back in, I don't know when it was, at some point in time, March or April, Fauci said wearing a mask was largely symbolic. Largely symbolic. That's, what does that mean? Largely symbolic. It went from that to if you don't wear a mask, you're a murderer in some instances. And that's been, what, seven, eight months ago. You just think about the transition, the, the evolution of thinking on these issues. Then, By the way, did you know that they told us – Fauci said he told us not to that, – that it wasn't good for the average person to wear a mask because – not because that was true. No, 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 because at the time – there was a shortage of masks. This is what he's on record as saying, folks. There was a shortage of masks. And so he said, look, I just wanted the people that needed the most to get them. So I just basically, I guess, told a white lie. So we got people on record as, as lying to us, as lying to us as to the importance of these things. And people just believe them wholeheartedly. I don't. I'm skeptical. I'm, I'm still of Reagan's thinking who says... The most dangerous words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I just have, I'm que- I question these folks. I'm skeptical. The experts are wrong more times than I can count. In fact, the experts are usually wrong um, disproportionately in many instances. How many times has the world supposed to have already been destroyed because of climate change, Al Gore? You know, the ice age of the 70s or whatever was coming back then. How many times were we told socialist utopias were going to usher in peace on earth? 
right? We were taught, I remember being told in college that the reason the Soviet Union fell was because it didn't have the benevolent dictator. It wasn't because the system was broken. It was because they just didn't find the right person. There's always an excuse. But if you notice, the experts are wrong more times than they than I can count. And it seems that common sense people have things figured out so much better than some of these jokers in Washington, D.C., people who are experts, people who are from the government and who are here to help. I'm just skeptical. I'm skeptical. Anyway, timeout is needed here. Sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk, broadcasting live from the office of the potential future president-elect back here in Back here in just a minute. Welcome back. By the way, my legal team, my vast, vast team of attorneys has advised me that I must tell you a little bit more frequently than I do that listening to this program can cause you to lean to the right and that 98% of scientists agree with those sentiments. So if you're operating heavy machinery this morning, just be careful. Just be careful because this program has the ability. I'm telling you, it's been – I've had people tell me this. Driving their vehicles, they have to pay more attention. Keep it pulled a little bit more to the left because they are veering off – the side of the road by listening to this program. This is a public safety, public service announcement here this morning to let you know that that does happen by listening to this program, and it is rooted firmly in science, so you have been warned. I want to reference this really quickly, and then I want to shift gears a little bit. Daniel Horowitz, writing here for The Blaze late last week, headline, New analysis shows infection from asymptomatic cases incredibly low, even within households. But politicians remain fixated on their life-destroying policies. Horowitz writes this, Prior to this year, few people have ever used the term asymptomatic and may never, uh, many never heard of it. But today, it governs our lives, despite Dr. Fauci and other experts saying from day one that asymptomatic spread has never, this is a quote, never been the driver of outbreaks, end quote, We have upended our lives for nine months under the premise that any one of us, regardless of whether we have symptoms, could be a silent killer who needs to be isolated, monitored, and masked. Yet, as the months wear on, evidence continues to mount that asymptomatic SARS-CoV-2 carriers contribute less to the spread than previously thought, not more. A new meta-analysis published in JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, by researchers in the Department of Biostatistics at the University of Florida Gainesville and the Cancer Research Center in Seattle, Washington, found that the secondary attack rate from asymptomatic carriers of the SARS-CoV-2 is nearly 26 times greater than from asymptomatic carriers. The analysis pulled together 54 studies with a total of 77,758 participants. These studies collectively observed the chances of an of one infected person uh, in one infected person in a home with multiple occupants infecting others in the home. So basically, they looked at people who were uh, in homes and how the, the disease spread within a within a home. And they found, he writes here, not surprisingly, the authors found that the attack rate, the household attack rate for the SARS-CoV-2 was relatively high compared to other pandemic coronaviruses like SARS and MERS. 
Overall, they estimated the household's secondary attack rate was 16.6%. So that meant overall, if someone else, uh, someone in the home has COVID, 16.6% chance that someone else is going to get it or that someone else does get it. However, they found a massive gap between primary transmitters who were symptomatic and those who were asymptomatic. Those with symptoms wound up transmitting the virus to household members 18% of the time, while those who were asymptomatic transmitted to just 0.7% of household contacts. So, think about all the policies that we have enacted. And this is people within a household. This isn't people that you pass on the street this isn't people that you pass in the Walmart or the Kohl's or the, you know, the local pizza joint. This, these are people that you live with. 0.7% asymptomatic uh, carrier spread. That's the latest. That's, do you talk about pro-science? Follow the science. This is what the science is saying. I'm just simply saying we have some people that they will read this and they will say, nope, got to be got to be safer. Got to be safer. Got to lock it down. Got to shut it down. Got to shut down restaurants. Folks, you just can't flip a switch. Not only that, and I talk with, you know that we have a a new monthly uh, discussion with Matt Lamb of the College Fix to figure out what's going on in colleges and universities around this country. But we we talk about, um, he and I had a brief discussion last week, which will air this week, but he and I talked about um, a, a particular case where a young man committed suicide. Um, he was a football player, wasn't allowed to play, and um, cited isolation from COVID. And there's um, there's evidence that this is a real a real problem. There are other consequences. There, the, looking at the total health of Americans, this needs to be addressed. The the, the consequences of people not being able to earn an income or their businesses being shut down causes a whole myriad of other problems and it's as though none of those things none of those things even even matter to the left right now to governors to the lovers of big government they're going to fix this problem no matter what it costs you no matter how painful it is for you and difficult in other ways even if you suffer uh, physically in other ways or psychologically mental spiritually because you can't go to church whatever the case they're willing to force you to pay that cost. And I'm just saying there's something terribly, terribly wrong with this equation. And I've got to take a break. When we get back, I want to shift gears. I want to talk a little bit about an interview that Joe Biden had. Oh, boy. A little bit of this uh, when we get back from the break. But we will have that conversation here in just a minute. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Folks, I'm going to do as best I can here to get as much of this interview. Biden sat down with uh, Biden and Dr. <clears throat> Dr. Jill Biden sat down with Stephen Colbert. <laughs> I can't even believe I'm uttering these words. Sitting down with Stephen Colbert to talk about politics and, and in particular how his son is being used as a cudgel against him. I want you to listen. If you haven't heard this, I- I'm going to play it again as much as I can. Just listen to this insanity 
Stephen Colbert talking with Dr. Joe Biden and pre- president-elect, allegedly Joe Biden. Here you go. What are you going to do and how will you sustain each other for the attacks that you know are coming your way? I mean, case in point, I know you want to be as bipartisan and reach across the aisle. Oh, come on. But as much as you don't want it to happen, you know oh, that coming. the people oh. who want to make hay in Washington mm-hmm. are going to try to use your adult son this is more as a than cudgel I can against cudgel. you. Biden has no How idea what he means. How do you feel about that, and what do you have to say to those people? Oh, my goodness. Well, look, uh, Here we go. I have, we have great confidence in our son. Have you seen what's uh, on the laptop? I'm concerned about any accusations been made against him. Have you seen it's the laptop? to get to me. Oh, my goodness. I think it's kind of foul play, but uh, look, it is what it is. And, uh, foul play. A lot a of foul play man. going on. He is the smartest man I know. I mean, in pure intellectual capacity. Stop that. No, wait Uh a minute. So the smartest man I know, and then he adds as far as pure intellectual capacity is concerned. You're darn right. It doesn't concern common sense. That's for sure. Folks, the things on these laptops, on his laptop, uh, I don't know if any of you have have seen this. I, I, if you have... I strongly encourage you to look for the edited versions of what you're going to witness uh, or, or see on these on this laptop. Not a lick of common sense. The smartest guy Biden knows. I mean, I can believe that, I guess, in a sense, because um, liberalism makes makes no sense, and that's the circle surrounding Joe Biden. But in another sense, it's come on. This, this guy, Hunter Biden, his son, his adult son, Stephen Colbert is so worked up and sad about this. Your adult son's going to be used against you as a cudgel. Biden staring at him as though he's hearing a foreign language here. But going to be used as a cudgel. So Stephen Colbert is so worried about this, has engaged in attacks and jokes against the Trump family, including the, the Trump children, for, for four years now. Suddenly concerned about how the children, the adult children, will be be used. Here, this Biden continues here, and uh, and as long as he's good, we're good. Um, and as a father, I understand that, and 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 I, I admire that. But I mean, in terms of your job as president, can you reach across to the aisle to people who will be using this as an attack on you when it is such a personal attack because it's about family? But if it benefits the country, yes, oh my I really gosh. mean. Because we know who we are. I can't take it. We can't take it. You're a better man than I. Okay. I'm just out of time. Quick timeout is in order. Sit tight back in just a minute. All right, folks. All the time we have today. But I will add that Joe Biden... During that interview with Stephen Colbert, which I couldn't play the whole thing simply because of because of time. But he said, man, this was back in high school. Back in high school days, he'd say, come here. I guess presumably going to whoop somebody. <laughs> Maybe he's uh, just like he did with, uh, who was it, Corn Pop. My favorite Joe Biden story of all time. My favorite Joe Biden story of all time is the legend of Corn Pop. I just, uh, that's that's one for the ages. That's definitely one for the ages, but... Biden out there threatening to beat people up. Tough guy Joe Biden. Dr. Jill Biden says that it's time for them to take the high road, though, so we won't be having any 
high school fights between Joe Biden and someone else about his son. But I've got to go. Have a great day. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.